Welcome to the How's Your Soul podcast. My name is Andrew, and you are listening to Season 1, Episode 18, Pace of Soul. In this episode, we discuss the topics of margin, drive, intimacy, relationships, wisdom, and soul health. It is a jam-packed episode, and I'm excited, so let's dive right on in. to dive into a topic that I am a little obsessed about. There was, and I need to go back and find this, but when I was a youth pastor, actually this might even be before I was a youth pastor. Gosh, it's been, it's been, it's been a while. I remember coming across this video on rest. And ever since then, I've been like obsessed about it because it's such a stark it, it, it's such a stark topic in terms of like our, what our society values, right? In this world where everyone's like moving at like an extraordinary fast pace and we've created technology to, to even like push that further, right? The available information and connect, connection with others and networking and knowledge bases and there's just so much opportunity to move faster, move quicker, be more efficient, be do things more conveniently. And so we've kind of driven this forward. Rest seems to be so opposite of all that. So I've been wildly fascinated about that and how it like plays itself into work-life balance, how it plays into my life, what this concept of, right, in the, in the biblical worldview, there's this concept of Sabbath and that's ultimately a, a reference to rest, but it's more than that. What does that mean and how does that work? And then, not that this pertains to this particular episode, but I'm also like very obsessed with power dynamics and the concept of accountability and, you know, what happens when someone gets too much power, what do great leaders do, and this whole idea of like uh, delegation and it's, it's so fascinating. Um, and I can't wait to talk about that on a future episode. But this was all spurred, I w- I'm already excited about the concept of rest and I've been reading this book called Becoming a King by Morgan Snyder, a good friend. Actually, he was on the podcast recently. Keith Anderson uh, gave me this book, and I've been kind of slowly kind of moving through it, but it's so good. I mean, like every chapter is so good. So here's the deal, okay? I'm going to take a lot from Morgan Snyder. Okay, so all all credit. Of everything that I'm going to talk about, pretty much, <laughs> is going to him here. I'm going to link his book in the show notes because it's amazing. It's so good so far. And I'm, I'm specifically going to be referencing a lot of chapter seven, which is titled Becoming Good Soil. Okay, so shout out to him. We'd love to have him on the podcast. I think he's incredibly knowledgeable about this topic of soul. And that's what we're all about. So maybe one day I get to have him if this gets big enough where he even hears about it. But all, all honestly, it's an amazing book. Please, please, please go read it. It's so well done. When he begins the chapter... He starts talking about this concept of becoming good soil, which is a biblical reference, right? It's this parable that Jesus talks about where these seeds by a farmer are cast into his field and it lands on different grades of soil. And some grades are better to accumulate growth than other grades. And so that correlates to the human heart and all these different things. And so he takes that and he kind of he kind of dives into what he calls habitats, right? Like environments for the soul to grow, which is, ah, I love it. 
And one of these areas, just like, oh, mm, it was so good. I don't know. I can't like contain my joy in hearing and reading. I've, I've, I've re, I, I'm an audible guy, so I, I listen to books. I know. I'm so trendy. I've, I've re-listened to this section like four to five times just in preparation for this episode and every single time I'm like oh that's so good oh that's so good oh that's so good and so he in the TLDR he essentially takes 30 minutes to talk so I don't know quarterly it's probably like 20 25 minutes to read in the chapter it's toward the end of the chapter uh, this concept of slowing down okay he would call it pace of soul hence the title of the episode and it's all about this this idea of rest but it's even it's even more than that right i've already talked about rest on this on this podcast we've kind of explored rest and what the sabbath meant to the nation of israel and how rest is often an opportunity to reset our value not in what we do but who we are in jesus which is so powerful but this takes it to a whole new level and i want to dive into that. And I want to talk about the why this is so important and kind of go back to soul, but I want to do it from a more artistic perspective. I want to quote Dallas Willard to you, which is a sage. He is a wizard, wise man in the world of theology and soul and just relationships in life. And so he said in his book, Renovation of the Heart, our soul is like an inner stream of water, which gives us strength, direction, in harmony in every area of our life. I love that. That's why this podcast is so cool. We're, gonna, we're asking questions about the soul so that the soul can be this inner stream of water that gives us direction and strength and harmony in every area of our life. And we're tackling that by looking at this area of slowing down. You know, another uh, illustration, uh, popular analogy with this concept of slowing down or prepping and strategizing which will kind of be a subtopic of this is uh, the famous story of Abraham Lincoln being asked how he would cut down a tree and he said you know you're given six hours to cut down this tree how would you how would you cut down this tree and he's famously quoted by saying I would spend the first four sharpening the axe right this this almost like intense moment intimate moment of just like strategy and slowing down and like sharpening an axe doesn't take a lot of work it doesn't take a lot of work right you can do it in in a slow that's the best way to do it a slow methodical way thought out with every stroke to really hone the blade and the edge to be the sharpest that it can be and so this implication this deeper implication into the story right the four hours you really you know i sharpen my kitchen knives and it really it takes me like 10 15 minutes to make them razor sharp right you just put them on a whetstone boom 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 then you kind of hone the edge with it with a honing rod right and you're good to go it doesn't really take that long so four hours you're thinking man this this is this is methodical this is relaxed this is slowed and everything is so intentionally done so that the axe is the absolute sharpest that it ever can be and i think that speaks to this concept that i think we often miss when we're thinking about rest when we're thinking about slowing down and when we're thinking about even strategy in terms of how we live life Right, because we live in a culture where strategy is often correlated to just pace and drive and passion. 
right? Right. The, the most successful, the most passionate, the most successful, the most driven, the most successful are the ones that tackle. They're brute force. They're just they're right. They they really have what it takes. They have that. Um, sorry, this is the only word I can think of. Chutzpah, which is a Jewish term. I know I'm introducing a lot here. Uh, chutzpah, great a great um, correlation would be like the story of David and Goliath, right? David had a lot of chutzpah, and that's just like he he just this just unbelievable like reckless drive. Now, of course, that's founded in belief. That's founded in fact. That's founded in evidence and things like that. He wasn't going in there just blind. He knew that God had him, that God prepared him for that moment. So there's a lot more to it, but he had this like relentless drive towards the problem, towards the challenge, towards the obstacle in his way from success. And so we've kind of bottled that in our country here in America. And we, that that's kind of like the what's portrayed as success like you got to have this you need to have this relentless uh, drive this tireless drive towards overcoming obstacles and removing obstacles out of the way you have to be just unbelievably brutally relentless towards it in order to be successful and you hear entrepreneurs talk about this all the time right they'll talk about like uh grit Right, this concept of grit and never giving up, and it's always like it, it has this hurrah, and these charismatic speakers are always talking with insane pace, and it's quick, and it's the high tempo, and it's the big volume, and they got the big crowds, and the crowds are getting amped up, and you know we do this at spiritual conferences, and we do this at uh, church conferences, and women's conferences, and men's conferences, and leadership conferences. It's all about the hype and the passion and the power, and it's so fascinating to slow down and talk about slowing down because it's disruptive ironically even though the in the concept of slowing down is meant to be reconstructive to the soul and our life in a world so driven by this pace this insane impossible pace to keep up with the concept of slowing down, silence, rest, solitude, is disruptive, which is so, oh, I love it. That's why, that's what I'm so fascinated about, it because it's, 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 it's paradoxical to me in some senses. And so, yeah, so we're talking about this idea of slowing down, that it has less to do Right in in terms of success, is really successes has to do a lot less to do with this concept of brute force and passion and drive. It has so much more time to do with creating strategy and tools to steadily begin to move towards success. In that process, Morgan Snyder would really kind of define it as wisdom. He would say wisdom is kind of this, this process of learning from the sages, learning from the elders of what this steady movement of progress really looks like. Not this hurried success. I think a really great practical example here, an entrepreneurial example, is when you look at the show Shark Tank. And, and you see these people who have this unbelievable success, almost like literally overnight success. They grew a company from zero uh, to a million dollars in like three months. 
six months, a year, whatever it is, right? Explosive growth. And they, ha- and they carry that with them, right? They're like, look at my growth, look at my success. Some of them are even more successful than even what I'm describing here. And so they walk in to the tank with this kind of almost elevated sense of self, like I've made it. They have all the information, they understand the numbers, right? They have the super successful model, but there's these wise sages sitting on the other side of the table, so to speak, and they've seen success and they've seen what success really looks like and they've seen the challenges of success and this, and kind of the rhythm of success and the steadiness of success and the progression of success and they know that anything that can grow overnight can be destroyed overnight. They know that anything can, that can rise to success can be toppled in failure in the same day, right? They, they understand that. And so it doesn't, you know, it's like good for you, but who are you? Do you carry the wisdom of the sages to truly understand what success means over the long haul? And you'll see people that are even, even though they're successful, they'll still not uh, convince the sharks to buy in because it's them. They don't. They themselves don't carry the wisdom to perpetuate the business forward beyond its already successful state. And and inevitably, if you look up some of these companies, there they don't even exist anymore. They or they've been sold out, or they're just you know treading water, or they're at the same place that they've been three, four years now over the course of time. Right. So it's it's so fascinating to me the importance of wisdom and seeking and slowing down and, and looking at at others lives specifically those older than us and maintaining and gathering those nuggets of, of great information you know Moria Snyder was was speaking to his mentor and and his mentor kind of said this in in light of his circumstances and what he was going through he says and this is actually challenge this was a this was a challenge to not just him but other men in the group as well he said as we slow down and as we do less and, and as we love more we then give permission for others to do the same. And he was speaking to leaders. He was speaking to entrepreneurs. He was speaking to, 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 to church elders. He was speaking to spiritual mentors. And he's, he's, he's making this just bold claim about the soul and the, and the fragility of it, right? Like as you as leaders lead others, if you're going to be this relentless force of good, of good, good things, good things, right? It is, they're all good things that we're, that we're attempting to do, right? Successful things. We're, we're attempting to do good things, but if we're moving toward it at this relentless, insane pace, and we're striving, and we're giving, a, we, we say this, right? I'm going to give 110%. That's, that's 10% of no margin, you you are you are allowing 10% less zero over the top margin in your already busy life then you then you stop allowing room for the things that potentially matter most you know you, there was this there is this uh, instance uh, Dallas Willard was speaking and there were these he opened it up to a Q&A and this young uh, individual stepped up and, and he, he said, "You know, my life is, uh, um, my life is, is out of control. 
And, you know, there's so many things that I'm busy with. I really can't find time for these spiritual practices that you're suggesting. And he was suggesting things like solitude and prayer and daily devotion to the word. And these things that required uh, time, these things that required um, us to slow down and to do. But in this busy world, this this individual is really feeling the pressure of that and is essentially saying, I can't do this. And so what do you suggest? And Dallas, of course, slowly ponders his question and then says, you'll need to choose to take the time to consider why it is you do not have time to practice the sort of things you want to practice. (laughs) You need to choose to take the time to consider why it is you do not have time to practice the sort of things you want to practice. Slow down. Slow down. Understand your limits, and your load. That's margin. Right? According to Richard Swanson, that's the, right, the, the definition of margin is the space that exists between our load and our limits and ultimately our capacity to do both. And so in this fascinating world of being hurried and being fast-paced, and being aggressive and relentless and driven and passionate and giving 110%. It is so fascinating to me to hear the wisdom of the sages seemingly unanimously say, slow down. And it's not just for us. Right in the previous in the previous uh, illustration with Morgan Snyder being at the conference and, and this kind of wise individual sharing that quote, right? It's not just so that we benefit and our soul benefits, right? As we slow down and we do less, we get to what we get to love more, and then what? And then we give permission as leaders for others to do the same. What what a powerful way to revolutionize priority and margin. In not just our lives, but in the lives of the people that we lead. Right? To demonstrate what it looks like to have margin. To demonstrate what it means to slow down and to do less. Not in, in not because we want to be in a position of laziness. But so that it frees us up to do things that potentially matter even more. Which is to love others and to love ourselves. And to freely give that gift to the, those that are looking at us, those that are around us, those that look up to us. going to stay with me for a long time. I'm going to have to process this. But he says, when we are busy, 
the Father is quiet. You know, so often in my life, I really do feel like I've, I rarely have ever heard the voice of God in my life. And I often am very critical of those that have claimed otherwise. Right? It's like, okay, sure. Like God actually spoke to you. Mm, I'm not buying that. Because I, I, honestly, it's a reflection, I think, on myself. Like, I, I doubt myself. I've never really heard the voice of God. And then this pinpointed the why of my circumstances. Because I'm, I'm, I'm always moving. I'm, I'm this driven, fast-paced individual. I'm always looking at the next project. Th- this podcast is an example of that. I can't even sit still. I'm thinking about this podcast, and I started talking just the other day to my wife about a YouTube channel I want to do, and then in particular pertaining to this podcast, and then a spinoff because I, ha- I want to love to get a video with this podcast eventually. Anyway, that's another conversation. And then another video on like gear and outdoor stuff because I love that. And I want to talk about that. And then I'm talking about what I want to do here at work, and then what I want to do in my spiritual life here, and then what I want to do like just working out and goals for that and 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 I look at my day and it goes from thing to 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 thing and I'm constantly moving and it's no wonder why I can't hear the voice of my father because God doesn't work on my schedule <laughs> He's too big for that. He's too grand for that. He's too awesome for that. He works on his schedule. <laughs> Andrew, you got you to gotta get down and sit at his table to glean his wisdom. He's not just going to speak it into your life. You're not ready. You're not listening. You're not quiet. And so that quote just, I don't know, it's very fascinating, this whole concept of slowing down. When we are busy, the Father is quiet. And again, I think it's so important to just reiterate this idea. It's not that we're chasing bad things, but we're buried in good things. And somehow that pursuit of good has baited us into doing too much and too many. And we begin to miss the most meaningful things in life, which is being still and understanding the Father's voice and creating margins that we can love others well. One of the core truths of relational knowledge is this that we are relational to our core and relationships do not do well when driven by urgency right like let's dive into that think about that right we are our soul our soul who we are it's not it's not our work, or our hobbies, or our success, accomplishments, accolades, awards, goals, purposes. It, 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 it's our relationships. We're, we are deeply driven by our relationships. We are relational. And the thing that this society praises the most is the attacker. It is the enemy. It is the destroyer of the very thing we are relationships do not do well when driven by urgency it is seemingly like we've jumped into this gospel of now and we are 
living proofs of that every single day. Instant gratification has become a staple of our society. Pornography and addictive behaviors like drugs and alcoholism and the need for an instant feeling of joy or happiness has driven so many, not just young men or young women, but just human kind people to just delight in that particular activity. Amazon Prime is a, a staple of our society. Two-day shipping has now become one-night shipping, which has now sometimes become same-day shipping, and it's becoming an expectation. Five to seven business days. What the heck are we living in? Are we living in the stinking early 2000s? Right? We, we've, we've really conditioned ourselves to the gospel of now, and the gospel of now screams convenience and effectiveness. And when those two things don't line up, we become frustrated. We strive towards that level of instant gratification. It's, it's, It's interesting to me that our soul desires ultimately the exact opposite of what we so often pursue every single day. Rest and rhythm. Silence, solitude stillness ironically those are often the primary ways in which we also hear the voice of God in the stillness in the silence in the rhythm and in the rest of life not in the busyness in the hustle in the hurriedness and so Morgan in this chapter talks about this concept of breaking the covenant that we have with this lifestyle which is fascinating to me because it, again, I love uh, like empowering others is like a huge part of this whole conversation. I don't want to just have a conversation. I want to have a conversation so you can have a conversation. I want to have a conversation so you can ponder the things that really matter so that I can ponder the things that really matter so we can be empowered to make meaningful decisions in our lives. And I love that he, he brings this conversation back to us and a decision we get to make to break a covenant that we have with this unstable way of living and to move forward to something more meaningful, something slower, something more rhythmic, something more still. And so he would begin to prescribe what we must do in order to break this agreement. And it is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. And in doing so, we begin to recover a soulful life, a joy-filled life, a life full of wisdom and patience. John Ortberg is a, uh, I guess you could say, a disciple of Dallas Willard. He's incredible as well. I've listened to many a sermon by John Ortberg. I haven't, I've yet to read 
his books and this is coming from his book soul keeping and so put it on the to-do list but he is describing this situation in which he calls Dallas up to get some nuggets of wisdom and he says Dallas you know I've just moved to Chicago and I'm I'm just so incredibly busy right I'm entering this really busy stage uh, and season of ministry and he's saying how do I stay spiritually healthy in this because here's the thing right okay so this is not him this is me I I feel that question so deeply Burnout is so prevalent and relevant in the culture of so many churches. We just run people dry. We do. And it's and it's some again it's unintentional. It is unintentional. There I don't think there's any church out there that I've ever experienced or been a part of where burnout is an intention where it's a goal, where it's something we're striving to. It is the effect of the pursuit of too many good things. You're trying to go here and do this event and this outreach and meet this person's need and be here for that person and lead a sermon here and do a video there and make sure you're over here and you're so relationally tapped all the time 24 7 and we just need what's required of us is always more it's always more and it's always more of good things and so we say yes to it all and we burn ourselves out and so John Ortberg with this understanding and wisdom of what can be if he allows himself to move at the pace of what a busy ministry season would require of him. He reaches out to Dallas and says, how do I stay spiritually healthy? And he, Dallas, says this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hari is the great enemy of the spiritual life of our day. Morgan talks about another retreat he was at, and one of the speakers came up and said uh, something just so, it was so disruptive. Again, because we're so hurried and we're, we live at this incredible pace. And uh, I think a little bit of context to the story, he's speaking to a group of men, which will make sense because the quote really directs towards men. But he says this, uh, do it, this is his opening remarks, do it slower. Talk slower. Eat slower. Make love to your wife slower do it all slower what does that mean for us in today's day and age where everything is supposed to be done quicker more efficient more convenient and that those who are doing those things must have relentless drive Incredible purpose. Great passion. I was talking to my boss about this because I, I think I'm in the process of figuring out and discerning what wisdom means here in this conversation on the pace of soul and the meaning and the importance of 
stillness and rhythm and solitude because we have a really successful company and our company culture is is kind of this uh, it feels like it's this uh, underdog if you will kind of team but we're all in it 110 percent and we are this incredible family that looks out for one another and we're driven in pursuit of the same goal and we and we work with that we work with that drive and we work with that passion and it is so exciting to see and it's an incredible source of purpose for me and passion for me to watch all these other individuals drive towards this goal with such ferocity that I'm pushed into the same place of of wanting to be so driven towards the cause, so driven towards the purpose, so driven towards the mission and the vision of what we're out to accomplish. And it's exciting for me. It gives me it gives me satisfaction and it gives me happiness. And then I read this chapter in becoming a king and it just wrecks my approach to all of this what does it mean to be slower to do it slower to do less so that i can love more to be less busy so that i can hear the voice of my father because i'm beginning to understand and recognize 110 percent is simply unsustainable the soul can't keep up with that life there is no margin in that life you are at your limit and so i'm challenged i'm 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 deeply challenged by this whole conversation of the pursuit of wisdom in regards to the pace of my soul and to slow down do less and love more be ultimately intentional in sharpening the axe, the strategy piece, and the pace of things ultimately leads to great progression. But it seems so upside down in a world that is so inundated with speed and convenience and accessibility of everything else. So typical to the ending of these podcasts, <laughs> these episodes, I don't really have an answer for you, but, but just the beginning of a conversation that I want to engage with you in. What does it mean for us collectively to slow down, do less, and to love more? How does the soul begin to appreciate? Almost like for the very first time, it is coming up for a breath of fresh air. Solitude and stillness. And I would imagine many of us, including myself, probably have the very same questions to Dallas that this young individual said, Dallas, my life is out of control. There's so many things going on. Financial decisions, success and and movement in my job opportunities, friends and relationships, home conversations and decisions, big purchases, car purchases, insurance purposes, financial things, health issues or health goals. There's all of these things in my life, Dallas, that's keeping me from spending time in these spiritual practices. What do you suggest? And I would imagine, of course, he'd probably answer the exact same way, that we need to choose to take the time to consider why it is we do not have the time to practice the sort of things we want to practice, right? 
where is the margin in our life and how can we begin to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry to create space for our soul to breathe and to grow and to love both ourselves and others and ultimately that gives others the permission to do the exact same thing